this session, I want to start off by saying to you that I am a church man. Uh, if you listen to me preach, you'll, I believe you'll, you'll, you'll know that. But by that I mean that I've honestly come to understand more and more as I've got older, as I've aged, as I hope I've matured in Christ. I've understood more and more and more the truth of the fact that Jesus Christ can do so much more through a church that does things His way, that loves Him enough to genuinely commit themselves to do things God's way as recorded in the Word of God and inspired by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God as we cooperate with Him. I want to read two scriptures to you. The first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm hoping you'll pick that up. It's just three verses from verse 15 where Paul is writing to young Timothy and he says to Timothy in verse 15, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. I love that. For salvation through faith in Christ. And then he says this all scripture is God-breathed. That's by the Spirit of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture, the Holy Spirit through Scripture, and then if we would just go, it's God breathes, can I just say that? It has all we need to be thoroughly equipped to be a good minister of the Word of God. But if we just turn now quickly to the to Second Peter chapter 1, and I want to pick up in verse um, 19 and read a few verses there. He says this, Peter, now this is, that was Paul writing, now this is Peter. Peter says, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. You will do well to pay attention to it. As, as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star, star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the Word of God being prophetic. And then he says in chapter 2, but there were also not only these true prophets, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And so that you could read on to the end of verse 3. As I've aged, as I've matured in Christ, these scriptures, these two here, have become more and more meaningful to me as I, in my life, as I've, I've watched people do a few of the things that I see in the book of Hebrews that I just want to quickly just itemize here quickly. I've seen people drift away as uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says. I've seen them ignore or neglect as, as he, uh, 
Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, I've seen them turn away, as the Hebrews 3 7 says. I've seen people falling short, as Hebrews 4 2 says. I've seen them drawing back, as Hebrews chapter 10 verses 38 and 39 says. I've seen them fall short through bitterness that they've allowed into their hearts, as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says. And then, of course, what we just read in, the sec in 2 Peter chapter 2, I've also seen false prophets coming along, introducing heresies, subtly, secretly, and slowly that infiltrating into so much of what is happening in the church today. And so I say to you today that, I, that the subject I want to talk about for a few minutes is of such vital importance. I'm going to try and share a bit of it in the first session and continue in a second session with this. But what I want to speak to you about today is what I have called, given it a title, that we must have a whole Bible theology of church, both local church and translocal church. By that I mean the local church where you are and the translocal church that we work with that ministers into the nations together with those local churches. And so I want to just give you a few things, talk a little bit about some of them. Some of them I'll go through quickly. Some of them I'll spend a little more time on. But these things are of such vital importance because God is wanting to restore into the church before Jesus comes back, restore it back to all that it's lost and make it more and more powerful and effective and fruitful. And so in order to return to New Testament patterns, we must have a whole Bible theology of church, both locally and translocally. And I believe that if we're ever going to be what God wants us to be, we're actually going to have to bring biblical pattern, healing and deliverance into every facet and every aspect of our life. In other words, in order to experience New Testament results, we must go back to New Testament patterns, both locally and translocally. Now, I hope that makes sense to you. So what are these things that we need to have a look at that make us whole Bible, our theology, uh, both local and translocal. So this fits into both aspects, locally and translocally. First of all, we have to get back to a whole Bible theology on the message, the message of the church, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the Bible. And that really is the kingdom of God. God's message is a kingdom. In the Old Testament, God wanted them to have, he wanted a theocracy where he was king. They chose a democracy. And then they chose a king in their democratic way that replaced God. And so God wanted to be the king, the government in their lives. And it's just exactly the same in the New Testament times for us today in the church, his people. God wants to rule and reign in our lives where Christ is king. But so often we have chosen democracy, our wants, our needs, our desires, our political stance, stances, our preferences and uh, uh, prejudices and preconceived ideas, whatever else there may be. We're going to have to re remove, re return back to where Christ is king and it's his kingdom and, and not ours anymore. Where he rules and reigns, he calls the shots and we do what he says we should do. God wants to restore that in the church right across the earth, your church included, and in your life included. So, that demands us returning back in our message, whatever we preach, 
that Christ is central. In other words, we have to become Christocentric. The, that's totally essential centrality of Christ at every level. No matter what the subject we preach on, no matter what we counsel, no matter how we converse with people about God, Christ has to be at the center. There can be no genuine salvation that lasts and that is fruitful and what God wants it to be until Christ is Lord and not just so-called Savior. I hope you get that. If you were to read all the scriptures, and I've got them here, but we can't, uh, I can't read them to you now. But I want to just make give a quote from E. Stanley Jones. He says this, The kingdom of God is God's total, that total answer to man's total needs. The kingdom of God is God's total answer to man's total, that's humanity's total needs. Well, I think to myself, if this is true, then why are there so many needy people in the, in the, in the, in the church? In actual fact, when you look at the book of Acts, in, the, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, verse 34, it says, there were no needy people among them. And yet the church is full of needy people. Sometimes the most needy people in the world are people in the church. They say they know Christ, and yet they're so needy. And, and unfortunately, it breaks my heart to say this, but some of the most needy are pastors, leaders in the church. Why? Well, partly because our message has been diluted. We've drifted away. Uh, all those things that the book of Hebrews warns us about seem to be slipping in. And we've got to get back to making Christ the center of our lives. Our message isn't about consumerism. It's not feel-good Christianity. Have you ever, you know, this strikes me regularly. How seldom Jesus answers questions, gives, gives direct answers to, to, to questions. He normally asks a question in answer to the question. Why? He wanted people to think, to mature, not to just be spoon-fed all the time. But to think things through, to chew over, mull over, digest what he's saying. And that's what God wants us to become responsible, sacrificial, digest what he said. And if they wouldn't, he let them go if they wouldn't pay the price. Like the rich young ruler that we read of in Matthew chapter 9, 19 verses 16 through to 30. And then in John chapter 6 verses 60 to 69, when Jesus speaking about uh, his body being a bread that we need to eat and his blood we need to drink. I mean, people were shocked by that. Why? Why didn't he just give them a simple answer? Because he wanted them to digest what that really meant, to grow up, to mature. And so people deserted him. From that moment on, the scripture says, so many left him and he let them go. He let the rich young ruler go. Because why? Because God wants us to come on His terms. He doesn't come down to our terms. He already did that coming down in Christ. The Word, God incarnate, becoming flesh. Second thing is, so that's the message. Christ-centered, Christ as Lord, kingdom. Whatever we preach, Christ is at the center of it. And His Lordship is absolutely crucial in whatever we preach, counsel, whatever, converse in, etc., the second thing we have to look at in order to have a whole Bible theology of church, both, um, both local and translocal, is not only what is the message of the church, but it's what is the mandate that Christ gave to the church. 
And the mandate simply is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what the mandate is. Now that mandate was spoken in, in Romans and um, uh, Genesis chapter 12, given to Abraham, where he was to leave his family and go. And, and God says that if you do what I tell you, all nations will be blessed through you and through your seed. And the seed was of Abraham was Jesus, and we become the seed in Christ. And so all that was promised to Abraham is promised to us in Jesus, the seed of Abraham. And you'll find that in Galatians and other parts of the Word of God. So, a couple of questions. If that's the mandate, go into all the world and make disciples to all nations, make it disciples of all of them all. First of all, I want to ask a little question and just answer it very quickly. Where are we to go? To all the world, not just our city, not just our country, not just our community, not to our suburb. Yes, we, that includes that, but it's the whole world. And Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Where did the Father send him from heaven to the world for the world's salvation? Who must go? Well, all must go. That was to all of the believers. Go into all the world. So all of us must go. That means even the people in your church who never go outside of their this, this town, their city, outside of their country, to them too, it's go into all the world and make disciples of all nations until we as preachers get a hold of that and become honest with God and move away from trying to please people and serve Christ as King and His message like He has presented it to us we're never going to have effective churches. So who must go? All of us. Where must we go? Everywhere. For how long? Until he comes back. And so we as leaders have to get real about that. Because the only way to fulfill the Great Commission really is to plant New Testament churches in every village, town, city and country, wherever God calls us to go. Are you with me on that? I hope so. And so I want to say to you, whatever nation you live in, the church in your nation is going to have to come to terms with that. Are we going to start doing it God's way or are we going to just stick with our own little country, our own little city, our own little whatever? God's house is a house of prayer for all nations. We need to make them welcome, go to them, pray for them and pray with them from all nations. And then we come thirdly to its mission. What's the mission of the church? It's to make disciples of all nations, not decisions, not converts, not easy believerism, not just raise your hand and pray some little prayer and go on living like you, you did before. No, it's radical change. Disciples. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says that we are to teach uh, people who we can trust, trustworthy people, faithful people to teach others, to teach others. And so it goes on. Discipling nations, not just individuals. And Jesus chose 12 men and, the, the, and Acts chapter 17 verse says, 6 says of two of those people that came out of the, as a result of those 12, two people, that those who have turned the world upside down have now come to us. As uh, the NIV says, those who have caused trouble all over the world. You see, the point I'm making is that they were so effective, they would, while they were just ministering where God told them to go, it affected country after country as people went out. Converts went out and out and out, affecting the world. So we need to become effective, affecting the world. And that 
demands radical, radical converts. Radical converts. I'll love you just to read, if you would take the time to pause this uh, message now and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 2 to 10. The good blueprint of, of what a good church is about. Your work produced by love, your faith, etc. Read those verses for yourself. Radical converts. And secondly, in this whole thing of decisions and making our mission, uh, discipling the nations, we need to be planting new, new Testament churches with the new converts, as they did in Acts chapter, the ones that went out from Acts 8, etc. Acts 14, uh, Acts 13, churches being planted all over the place, planting bases from which to, to operate. Uh, like the Acts 15, that was the early base. Then there was the Acts 13, the Antioch base. Uh, two of the, the bases that were base churches in the New Testament. We need to be taking cities for Christ. Believing God through spiritual warfare. Not timid, but forceful. The, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And forceful men. Not timid people. Kind of, ah oh, well. No, we've got to go for it effective, fruitful. And then moving on quickly, still while we're talking about this, um, we need to be training and equipping people and releasing people, called people, committed people, caring people. I've just got a few of these little things here. Uh, creative people, compassionate people, people who are self-controlled but not, or, and spirit-controlled but not controlled by, uh, by other people. People who are anointed, passionate, with no bondages and hang-ups, complexes, no hidden agendas, generous people, caring people, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as Psalm 84, verse, verses 5 through to 12 tells us. And then we also need to be theologically equipped. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, Paul talks about leaders, the maturing leaders, that they are able to teach. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, those who correctly handle the word of truth. You see, we need to be theologically equipped. We need to know what we're talking about. We need to know the scriptures. We need to love the scriptures. We need to use the scriptures. We can't just take little verses out of their context and build theologies out of them. We need to get to know the word of God. And then... Planting church planters, that we have training times, we give ourselves to that. It costs me to train people, but we've got to keep on regularly training people, training people for leadership, training people going out to plant more churches and to win the people to Christ. Raising up pastors, training them, equipping them, then releasing them, and then translocal, more and more translocal, apostolic prophetic people. We've got to become people in a church that are willing, leaders in the church, willing to say, I'll make all my people available for translocal ministry, that you can come in from the translocal team and speak to us as elders, and we will make our people available. Available. So I'm asking you to train people, to keep, give God a, a, a pool, provide him with a pool uh, that he can fish from for leadership, different ministries into the nations of the world. And then if we could just, well, maybe I should just stop here. I see it's nearly 20 minutes and I'll pick up in the, with uh, the, the fourth little part of this um, subject we're talking about here on 
a whole Bible theology of church, both local and translocal. I'm asking you again, Father, will you please bless your people? Please make your church what it should be. Give us such a deep, deep love for Jesus Christ that it won't be too costly. We will not cut corners. We'll just do our best to understand how you want us to do it. Christ as King. Lord Jesus, there's no one else worth our lives being served, given all out for you. We want to serve you. And I pray for these people listening to me that they will have that heart that says, I'm going to become a churchman, in that I'm going to want the church to become as effective as it can through the indwelling presence of God and your wonderful word inspired by him as he gives us revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.